Welcome to the Fem Nation podcast, where we wholeheartedly believe women entrepreneurs can rise together. Success comes in many flavors. There are no secret strategies. Women entrepreneurs are rewriting history by defining success on their own terms. Hi, I'm White of Gannon, the down-to-earth chick with a different name. Entrepreneur and founder of the Female Entrepreneur Movement, our business is dedicated to helping women start and grow their businesses, increasing financial independence. Each week, join me for inspiring stories and powerful interviews of women entrepreneurs sharing their lessons to success to help you take your business to the next level. Now, let's go for it. Welcome back to the Fem Nation podcast. Today, I have Crystal Langdon, and I want to give you really the essence of who she is. She's a certified financial planner, author of Keep the Curls, qualified kingdom advisor, author of, oh, I said that one already, but that one is so prevalent. I love it. Radio host and owner of Crystal Clear Finances. Did I catch it all? You caught it all. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on today. Tell me, how did you start this journey? This entrepreneurial journey kind of really sounds to me like it's a whole person journey. Absolutely. And I love that question because a lot of times when we're thinking about when we started the journey, we try to trace it back to when we got the first job or we did something and we said, okay, it started here. But the truth of the matter is, if I look back in this lifelong journey. I remember growing up as a child and seeing my dad. He went out there. He made the money. My mom stayed home and she raised 12 kids. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Six boys, six girls. So I am the oldest of the girls. And uh, as we grew up, I saw that he was always the primary breadwinner. My mom stayed home. And I thought that's the way life is supposed to be. And so when I grew up, I met my husband when I was 13. We got married as soon as I graduated high school. And then within a year or two, I was having kids. And I thought, this is great. And he did exactly what my dad did. He went out and made money. I stayed home, which I just want to say, White Dove is totally fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I, I knew there was more, but I thought, well, this is all there. I guess it's supposed to be because that's what I saw modeled in front of me. And then I remember the one day my husband had a trucking company. We had truck drivers working for us and we were delivering groceries to local convenience stores and our largest client went bankrupt. Now we're left where we have thousands of dollars of unpaid invoices. And because they're bankrupt, they can't pay us. And now we're just scrambling. How do we keep our employees paid? How do I keep my children fed? It was like the money went from having surpluses every week, which I dutifully spent, not saved, and (laughs) and to, to nothing. And it was at that moment that I said, okay, I've got two options here because we had gone to credit consumer credit counseling because it put us in this spiral. And when the spiral occurred, we started paying our employees on the credit card checks that you can write. We were doing everything wrong, but trying to keep that business going. And finally, when we went to consumer credit counseling, they said, there is absolutely no hope for you. You need to file a bankruptcy. This is over and you'll just have to, you know, move on from there. And I remember the day I walked into the dining room and my husband was there, his head was on the table. And I said, what are we going to do? He says, I don't know, but I can't file bankruptcy. Something happened that day. And I said, well, then we're going to fight. If it takes us our whole life, we're going to fight to get out of this. Now, how do we do that? And so we went to consumer credit counseling. They said, nope, 
you know, we can't help you. And we begged them. We said, listen, put together a five-year plan. If we miss a payment, we'll file bankruptcy. We know all the credit cards going to come back on us, but just help us. And so they said, okay. And so I said, all right, I got to figure out now how to get a job, how to figure out how money works. How do I go from here? So I went to a financial planner and I walked in and I'm thinking, okay, help me. And he gave me a job. And all of a sudden, things began to click in my life where I began to start to read books of how does this money thing works? How does entrepreneurship work? How is taking control of my life work? How am I going to get to the next level? And as I began working with that financial advisor, I began understanding. Now, I started as an assistant. And then I asked him, can I go get a, one of those series seven tests? Can I go do what you do? And he literally opened the door for me because you have to be sponsored where I could take these tests. And here I was a high school graduate, no college degree. And I'm taking these tests that people are failing on their first try and I'm passing them. Whoa. And and now I'm, I'm literally in a situation now where I'm seeing what he does. I'm now being fully licensed. I'm starting to live it out in my life, all that I'm learning. And then I asked to be a financial planner. He said, yes but this is the deal. You sit in the corner and you watch what I do. And then at the end, when they're gone, then go ahead and we'll talk about it. And I did that for a couple of years, watching what he did, writing down what I think I would have done and then talking it to him. And then one day he decides that he's not going to do the business anymore. And I'm thinking, well, I'm just coming alive. And that's when I took the physical step of becoming an entrepreneur. That's when I said, okay, I've got the training. I'm going to do this. And I was terrified, White Dove. Oh, my word. I was so scared. But all I knew is that people came to that office and you could see it in their eyes that they just needed someone to teach them how money worked. Right. Someone needed to give them that confidence. How were they going to feed their kids or put them through college or how are they going to retire? Nobody's teaching them this. And so I said, OK, I'm going to start my own business. So I started in the front of my house. I just remodeled the first few rooms. So you walked up the walk, you opened the door. If you turned to the right, there was my office. If you turned to the left, you could hang up your coat. <laughs> oh, and, wow. and I began the process and then it just kept growing. And we've been in business now for over 20 years and we moved out of my house and then we moved to a one place and then we outgrew that one and outgrew the next one. And now we're in a beautiful uh, office where we have five different offices. It's me. It's my son, which is a whole nother story. My husband works for me uh, and works with me. I have another financial planner. Great team that I have now. But, but the whole entrepreneurship journey, I think, started the day that I said, George, what are we going to do? And he said, I don't know. And in that moment of silence was my fork in the road where I said, we're going to fight. And I'm going to do whatever it takes so that I don't have to live in this cycle of debt or in the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. I'm going to make it out. And then I'm going to find all the people that want to get out. and I'm going to teach them how to do it, too. And then I realized that to be able to do this, I had to change. I had to grow. I had to learn this stuff. So there was personal growth, emotional growth, you know, just the whole processes to become who I am today. And and to me, I feel like I'm living my dream. I'm, I'm, I'm helping people. I'm giving them confidence where they literally say to me, oh, I could have used you 20 years ago. I'm so glad I found you now. Now I know what to do. Now I know how to do it. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, very quick nutshell, <laughs> my 
story. So I don't know where you'd like to go from here, but that's, <laughs> there's so much I skipped over, but life is a journey. And this entrepreneurship road, it's a journey. Yes. And, you know, we take things and I remember going through things and, you know, you always hear, ah, oh, everything you go through works out and it's always for a purpose. And you think, yeah, really? Well, while you're walking through it, it doesn't feel that way. But I do now look back and say the times where I would sit down with the kids and say, yes, I know the electricity is off, but let's make it romantic. Let's have candles. It was because I couldn't afford electricity. And we would alternate between seasons of having electricity and seasons of having heat. And, and walking through that and, and facing your child when they're crying in the grocery store and they're saying, why can't I have cookies? Don't you love me, mom? And being able to try to teach them, okay, I love you, but what? because I love you, we're going to go through the process of climbing out of this hole, and we're going to figure out how this works, and it's not always going to be this way. So everything that we've experienced along the way, and even to our listeners today, what you're experiencing, no matter where you, you are at in life, always has a purpose if you will allow it to work its process in you. It's when we get bitter and we give up and say, oh, I can't do it and never believe the lie that you can't do it because I was so terrified. Who would have thought someone who was on the brink of bankruptcy, who consumer credit counseling said we can't even help you, would now be managing millions and millions of dollars for clients, running a financial planning practice? Who would have thought? Right. But if this can happen to me, then all of our listeners, all the women out there can literally say, I can do this. And that, I guess that would be one piece of encouragement that I just even right now would want to, to say is to be encouraged. There's purpose what you're walking through and there is a plan and a way out that you can become what all you were meant to be, all you want to be, and you can change the lives of you for yourself and for your family. So when you were at the grocery store and wasn't able to get the cookies or you went through seasons of no heat or no electricity, mm-hmm. you couldn't see what it would look like today. But what kept you moving forward? One of the things, and that's a great question, because one of the things is I began to say, if I could make my life anything, what would it be? What would I do? What would I have? And so here you have someone who can't even rub two nickels together, dreaming about, you know, I'm going to be able to have my electric on all the time. My fridge will always be full of food. I'll have heat. I'm going to take my kids on vacations. I'm going to be able to buy clothes when I need it. And I just began to journal and write down. These are the things that are going to happen in my life. I remember I would walk up our driveways almost a quarter mile long. It's a very long driveway. We're in the country. I would walk up to the top, I'd get the mail, I'd walk back down to the house crying because it's just bills. And at that point in my life, how am I going to pay them? I'd look at the bills. And as I'm looking in and as I'm crying, walking down the driveway, I would say, I'm bigger than this. Be patient. Be you. It's going to come. This will change. My life is going to be good. I'm going to have my refrigerator full of food. I'm going to drive a car that always starts when I turn it. I'm going to have heat in every room in my, and I would begin to outline and set this vision before me. Now, at that point, I have no clue how to get there, but I think part of it in our first steps is just being able to dream that there's something bigger and better than where we are today, because without having a vision, we perish without knowing what direction we're going to head in, we flounder. Mm -hmm. And so I think the first step is just saying, 
What do I want life to be? And I'm going to focus on that instead of how horrible life is now. What a failure as a mom I feel. What a failure I feel, period. I'm going to focus on where is it that I'm going and I'm going to turn this around. Now, I would love to say it took like one year. It was only hard for one year. No, it was hard for seven years. Seven. I was going to ask that question too. How? When did you realize that you were out of that phase? Well, when we worked with consumer credit counseling, they put a plan together for us and they said, okay, if you don't miss any payments, then you're going to be able to get out of debt. So we literally, in the first few years, I didn't feel like I was making any forward motion except for the fact that we would scrape everything together to make sure we got that payment to consumer credit counseling to keep our credit cards paid, you know, Mm -hmm. and then if we could keep the mortgage. So the goal was keep the mortgage. I had three things, pay the credit card, keep the mortgage. And I kept life insurance on, on my husband, because if something happened, then I was like, Oh gosh, what am I going to do? Those were the three things we would go to the food pantry to get food. And then we'd also go to the um, clothing store that was right next to the food pantry so that I could get clothes for the kids. Those are, it's so, it's so funny because people meet with me now and they come in and they're like, you don't understand. And I'm like, oh, oh, but I do. I recognize that I've got the scar. And I think that's why it's so important because I wanted, I remember when I was going through this, I was looking for someone who could see me, like the me inside the mess of all of this and say, oh, I've been there. Let me show you the way out. And I think that's so important as we're working with people to have people who've been there and can get us out of that situation, who can say, I know the pain because I remember, and again, I don't want this to be the crystal sob story, but I remember Mother's Day when all the moms at church would come in and they'd have their new outfit on and they were going to go out to Red Lobster and they were going to go do this. And I remember... I was going to church in the same dress that I've had now for 10 years, and we weren't going out to eat. We were lucky and thankful that we were going to eat whatever the leftovers were from the food pantry. So it is really, I think it goes back to the vision. I am not my situation, me as an individual, separating and saying, I am not a failure. I am just in a situation right now that is not good, but I know where I'm going. And then I began reading books. And that's a key right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I really feel like the mindset we have now has brought us to where we are today, but I need a different mindset if I'm trying to get to the next level. And well, even though it was the other company that went bankrupt and left us with all those thousands of dollars of unpaid invoices, if we had known how to diversify better, we wouldn't have been in that situation. If we had known not to write the checks to our employees out of the credit cards for months, we wouldn't have gotten into all the credit card debt. So all of it was because of our thought process, how we reacted to things. So if I needed to get to a new level, I needed to change the way I started thinking. So I started reading books on self-development and on leadership. And yes, I read books on money, but the first ones I did was really on changing me. How do I become a positive person? How do I see the bigger picture? How do I, you know, speak properly to myself instead of saying, you idiot, you know, I begin to say, you know what? So I think those are keys that we need to understand that it's not all just go read a book on money, in my case, because of financial planning, it's become the person, read the books, listen to, and I love podcasts. Because pot, I, I think about how I get up in the morning today. I get up in the morning, I go running, and what am I listening to? A podcast. Right. I'm training my brain. I'm training my mind, reminding myself who I am and the destiny of where I need to go. 
what were the strengths that you leaned on in those seven years to continue to move forward? I think the strengths, and I don't want to get preachy in any way, but was my faith. Mm-hmm. When everything else fails you, when, when your own kids think that you don't love them because you're not providing what the world teaches is good, the, the cookies and the gifts and everything else, when they don't understand that and you feel like you have failed on all levels, at that point, it's so easy to give up on yourself no matter how strong a person you are, because you become emotionally tired and you become physically tired and just become, I like the word weary. Mm-hmm. That's such a deep word. It's weary is just right down to your soul. You're so tired. That's when you need something bigger than you. And that's where my faith came in, where I said, I've got to hang on. And I remember saying, but God, I thought you would provide all my needs according to your riches and glory. I don't have enough for the kids to eat. I'm so hungry. And I remember saying, I'm either going to believe that you're all true or you're all a lie. And that was such a pivotal time for me where I said, you know what? If I stay in this situation forever, I'm making a decision now that, God, I'm going to believe in you regardless. I'm going to believe that I am loved by you. And that's what I held on to. And as I'd walk down from the mailbox crying and telling myself who I am, I would remind myself, that certain scriptures, you're the head, not the tail, you're above, not beneath, you're going to lend to nations, you're not going to borrow. And I would just say them over and over, because I had to grasp onto something bigger than me, because Crystal in herself was not going to be able to get herself out of this. Mm -hmm. And I think that was that was the life changer for me. Wow. That's good, though. Um, And having having faith wherever the listeners are at and whatever that looks like for them, you mm-hmm. have to have faith at some point in time in your life, because otherwise you're going to flounder for sure. Yeah. You know, so of course not being preachy on here, um, but stating the obvious that there is a higher power. There is a, a purpose, a sole purpose that we are called to do and it's connected, you know, so not negating those absolutely right. not. But when times get tough, we don't know how long those tough times are going to be. We don't have, we don't have control over that. We have control over the actions in the very moment to get mm-hmm. out of those, but we still have to go through the process. Mm-hmm. So what is a tip for someone who feels is very just at the edge, feels like they so almost have it, but not quite, but it's still such a struggle. This, as far as understanding where they're supposed to go or... Oh, financially speaking, if they, you know, if their business, if their business just feels so tight, Mm -hmm. you know, if it feels like it's just up against a brick wall and they just don't know, I mean, because the, one of the first things that comes through a lot is that they're a failure is that, um, maybe they're not cut out for this, Mm -hmm. um, imposter syndrome. Yep. Those are very common and that people don't even have to be super financially tight to run mm-hmm. into those either. They mm-hmm. can feel like they're just keep beating against the same door and it's not opening and they don't know why. What is it? Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's unpack that because that's a great question. And I think a lot of our listeners, I know I've struggled with that. Mm-hmm. I have, I have a couple different answers. First of all, when we're talking about finances, and I think this is so key, we have to understand there's a spiritual, emotional, and mechanical process for creating wealth. 
Mm -hmm. So think that through. Most people focus on the mechanical process of creating wealth. If I save this money and invest it at X percent, then it will grow. And they're just focused on doing the budget, which we need, making sure things we do is profitable, which we have to do. So I am not negating that. And actually, we'll go back to that in a moment. So the mechanical is a very instrumental, but it's a tactical thing that we do. We also, in order to create wealth, have to have a spiritual component. Again, whether it's your uh, faith that, you know, what we do, we just need to have a spiritual component. Why is that important? Because we have to understand that our purpose is bigger for our business and for us ourselves is bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. That there is something that needs to go to the next generation. There's something that needs to expand across the country and in the area that you need to do. So you have to have a spiritual component and realize that you have resources on a spiritual side. Then you also have to have an emotional component. If you read books, and I would encourage our listeners, read books on emotional intelligence, because people in the, you're going to see more and more people are going to be hired for their emotional intelligence over their skill set, which is the mechanical process. So when we can spiritually understand, oh, I was created for something, then emotionally get in a place where we can control our emotions, acknowledge them, but use them for our benefit, then we can walk into a mechanical setting, a tactical setting, and implement strategies. But we have to be operating spiritually, emotionally, mechanically in order to create wealth. So how do we do that? Number one, with the spiritual, connect with your faith, get involved in. And that doesn't mean go to church every day. That just means have a relationship every day where you are meditating or you are journaling. You are doing something. So every morning, not only am I running, which is on the physical component, but I am journaling. I'm spending time in prayer. Some people will call it meditation so that I feel settled and called for the day. Emotionally, I'm reading books on leadership, so I become the person I need to be. So I'm expanding in my uh, emotional intelligence, and then mechanically, I walk through and then I do the budget. So those are the three. Now let's talk specifically about the mechanical. And when we talk about the mechanical processes, when you have a business and things are so tight, a couple things here. First thing I would do is recognize the stages and cycles of a business because we repeat them. Just look at the stock market. Stock market goes up, stock market goes down. It's a cycle. It always amazes me why people are surprised when the stock market goes down. I'm like, wasn't it just up? Of course, it's going to come down. It's a cycle. Right. Same thing with the business. So let's look at the business. The business has an infancy stage. Now in that infancy stage, now that infancy stage could last for two years. It could last for five years. But the point of an infancy stage is when you are starting out and it is requiring everything of you and giving you nothing back. Think of a baby. It's an infant. It smiles and coos. That's pretty much what you get. You feel good that you have a baby, but it you know, messes its diapers. It requires you to lose sleep. It costs money, all these things. But what happens is we know that that infant Inside that infant is the potential to become a powerful adult and a child that they're going to love and a relationship there. And so we pour into that infant. 
the same thing requires in our business is that there is an infancy stage. So first thing I would do is recognize what stage your business is in. Is it in the infancy stage? If it is, do not expect that it is going to be feeding you or providing an income. So you're going to need another outside income to supplement you while you are getting this thing off the ground. Now, if as you transition and I'll come back to some of the things about spend, save, and sell an asset. We'll talk that in a minute. But let's go through the stages first. So there's the infancy stage. Now, the next stage is your adolescent stage. And this is such an important one. And this is the one where I see many businesses fail, not in the infancy stage. Because they they have the hoorah, you know, they got the team around them. But when they start making money, it's almost like, I got this. Yep, I got this. Kind of like a teenager. They put the big old S for superwoman on their chest and they're going to take care of everything. They take risks that they shouldn't as teenagers. Oh, my word. The things they do because they think they're going to last forever, right? They're going to live forever. They're indestructible. When a business finally gets through that infancy stage and becomes an adolescent business, the indicator is it's finally making money. Woohoo! And the business owner makes this key mistake. They think we made it. We're out of the woods. We made it through the hard part. We are not going to fail now. So we can overextend into other places. We can take chances because, hey, we already proved we know how to make money. And it's those mistakes they make because the business is still in an infancy or just coming out of infancy that causes them to revert back to become an infant or to destroy the business. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And and to me, that is so crucial that as you get into the stage, that's where that spend, save, you need to have a budget. You need to say, okay, thank God there's money coming in. How am I going to keep a track? keep track of it. What are the allocated expenses? Let's start building that war chest instead of spending the money. But what's happened is they have spent so much money in the infancy stage that when the money finally starts coming in in the adolescent stage, they say it owes me and they pull it out and it falls. Now, the next stage, which many people think is the last stage and it's not, is the adult stage. You have a mature business. That business, it's humming, it's making money. And I want you to go think of children. So we had the infancy, we had the adolescence. Well, when your kids are adults, mine are adults now, I have such a wonderful relationship with them. Like I can talk to them, they can jog back to me. It's a give and take. It's not lopsided anymore. It's healthy. When a business is in there, yes, now you're starting to take the profits out. Now it's feeding you after all you've done for it. And most people say, well, that's it. But there's another stage that comes after this. And you just need to look at Sears. You need to look at Blockbuster. Look at all these big companies that reached a mature status. But what happened was the next stage is called bureaucracy. And what happens is there's there's two sides to it. It's bureaucracy or reinvention. And what happens is if you get stuck in the bureaucracy side, you die. So when you walked into Sears and they said, we don't do it that way. That's not our policy. It's always worked this way. You're heading down a slippery slope, my friend, because although it worked, it shows you're closed to new ideas. So you think about, let's take Blockbuster. You had Netflix come to Blockbuster and say, hey, I think this is going to work watching movies online. And Blockbuster's like, no, we've never done it that way. This is the way we've always done it. Look how wealthy we are. 
And so Netflix said, will you buy me? They're like, no, we've always done it this way. Seven years from that point, seven, Blockbuster went bankrupt and Netflix took over. And they're huge. And they're huge. Now, here's the deal. If Blockbuster just could have said, huh, I know what we're doing works. We're going to keep it. That's a good model. However, we need to reinvent and keep growing with the times, the new generations that's coming out. So we're going to add Netflix. I truly believe they'd be in business. They would have made more money than they ever experienced. Yep. So we need to, as business owners, once we've reached that mature place and we have something that's works, we don't want to get rid of it. We want to keep that. But we never can be so close-minded that we say, well, this is what got me to where I am today. It will get me to where I need to go in the future. Mm -mm. The way you think brings you to where you are today. If you want to get to a new level, you have to have a new way of thinking. So so I, I think about crystal clear finances. So we always have people come to our seminars. They come every month, right? They come in. I advertise on the radio. Everything's fine. But then I'm thinking, you know, there's a whole new generation out there. They're not coming to my office. They like the podcast. They like YouTube. They like the online courses. So my choice is crystal clear finances was to either say, "Ah, what I have works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Or I can say, let me keep that because my generation X, my baby boomers, and that generation loves this in-person, see my face, shake my hand. But I'm also going to create these podcasts, and I'm also going to create an online boot camp. And I'm also going to do this over here. So now what have I done? I've reinvented part of myself. Now, get this part. This is so cool. Now that I'm reinventing, what does that do? That puts me in the infancy stage. So now my podcast, the boot camp, they're all going to go through an infancy. I'll get better. They'll become adolescents until I have an established pattern of how I do my digital. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to say, okay, I've got in-person, I've got digital, and something new is going to come up. And I'm going to say, huh, I got these two and they're working good. Will that benefit? And I'll now take me to the even next level. So we always are in a process. We're either in an infancy stage of an idea, part of our business, the adolescent, the mature, or reinventing and bureaucracy. And we decide there if the cycle stops. And we begin to move backwards because money is always in motion, either forward or backwards. So we're either going to start shrinking back or we're going to move forward and reinvent and keep going. So that was a very, very long answer. (laughs) (laughs) So amazing, though. Your ability to put this in context, to visualize Mm -hmm. is excellent. Oh, I know the I know the listeners will be able to relate to that. Oh, good, Um, good. But the interesting thing is is on the secondary infancy cycle where you added that in, you still had that external income generator, which is the mature business of yours. Yes. You know, so now you didn't have to rely on maybe um, an external nine to five or some people work while they're building the baby baby business. Now you had that to replace that piece of it. That's what keeps you moving forward. Exactly. And the, and the key is, is for our listeners to hold on and get through that infancy to get, get the first lap done. Infancy, adolescent, 
mature. Okay, I've got some income. Now I can go do my next round. And I think a lot of times what happens is we have so many ideas for the next round, next thing we're going to invent, that we're trying to do too many things at once. Yes. So we need to decide what is the first thing I'm going to accomplish. And I always look at it, White Dove, and I say, okay, what is the most profitable and most needed avenue that I need to create first? I'm going to do that. Now that I've got that established, now I'll do the next one instead of trying to be everything to everyone. I know I that. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, well, I know that I, I'm often brought in to teach on marketing. So I'm teaching and people used to, because I've changed it, used to come up to me and say, oh, my word, Crystal, there's so much that you're doing. How can I do it all? And then I realized, okay, while it was really cool that I could tell them everything I was doing, it wasn't helping them. So I began to say, okay, big picture, here's where we want to end up. Today, today we're picking one thing. What is the Mm -hmm. one thing we want to own? Is it that we want to start a podcast? Relatively inexpensive because we have little resources with an infancy company, but how do we make the most impact? Pick one and start with one. So that's Mm -hmm. what I was going to say. I didn't mean to interrupt you. (laughs) No, no, you're totally fine. And it's along the same vein. I speak often to... uh, entrepreneurs all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, before you start thinking that you're going to go out there and capitalize on all these things, get darn good at one because yeah. you have to build that foundation. If you are not real good at one, you're going to be mediocre at the rest and you're never yeah. going to pull yourself out of that phase. The And the tendency, the the physical tendency, I would say, um, maybe driven by a little bit of, of emotion, but the physical mm-hmm. tendency is to be all the things to all the people because that's going to get you income right now. And it's the wrong way to go. And that's where so many solo entrepreneurs miss the mark is because Mm -hmm. they diversify so far and they don't pay attention to what they're doing. Then they dilute what they do. Then they don't even remember what they're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then, then they end up not being able to keep up with everything, but then they're not even following the calling that they came into this with. But see, and I see that as well, a lot too, because I see individuals because they need the resources. Right. So they say, I've got to do whatever I can to get whatever resources in. I mean, one of the things I always say is, okay, I want you to pretend that you have enough money. So let's just pretend, everyone listening, pretend you have enough money, your business is making money. If you could do one thing now, not worrying about money, one thing that would help your business and would light your fire. What would it be now that they've identified that one thing? I would go write books. I would go do seminars. I would, whatever it is, do a podcast, create a podcast. Now we know, okay, that's the one area that you want to focus on and build and do it with a spirit of excellence. Because I agree with you, people are going to value. And I keep thinking, if you do a mediocre job, are they going to want to engage with you? I want to do it where people say, okay, she doesn't help this person, that person, whatever. She's going to help me. And when she's there, she is present in the moment. So I think about, you know, when I'm thinking about women, I think about when I was in that spot where I said, I've got to find something to help me be become better to reach my goals and to improve the life of my family, improve my life and the life of the family. So now when I'm working with women, that's who I'm working with. Are you interested in improving your life, becoming what you have dreamed for it to become? And are you interested in changing the life of your family? If you are, I'm the one. 
-hmm. Now, if you're saying, well, I don't know, I'm kind of okay with where I'm at. Okay, that's fine, but I'm not the one for you because I am here to help change your life financially. I want you to have wealth so that you can accomplish what you were created for. Because if we all do what we're created for, we can do positive culture change. But if not, you know, if you're just here to kind of, well, then I'm not the one. Right. And I think each of our listeners needs to be that way passionate about their business of this is what I'm going after. And for those who want to own a business, but maybe they're not sure what to do for a business, begin reading books and becoming the leader you're going to be. Because I truly believe that as you prepare yourself, the opportunities come. Yes. You know, I think of now people are calling all the time. I want you on my podcast, on, on my podcast. What if I had never, wait, what if I'd never done my radio and said, oh, it's too scary. It's too hard. No. Well, I've been doing radio now for 20 years. So, so go do a podcast. Oh, I'm fired up. Let's just <laughs> do it. Yeah. But that's being faithful with the little. So as you move into the new territory. And so I would encourage everyone, be faithful with what your hand finds to do right now. Find that area. And really find where you're passionate about because those are the people that you're going to want to to work with. You can design your business Mm -hmm. up to you to decide. Mm -hmm. And it's playing the long game. This isn't a game overnight. Oh, thank you. That is so true. Because if you can't. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying, like in in our world, the, to me, the long game is everything. Because in the finance world, everyone's like, "Well, what rate of return did you get?" And it was so funny because if you put this in perspective, just the beginning of the month, if someone looked at their account and again they said, "Wow, I did twenty one percent," I'm like, "Yeah, that's pretty cool, huh? Twenty one percent in like ten months? That's awesome." I said, "But now, let's just include a little bit of last year when the market was down. Let's go a little bit longer." Oh, we only made 8%. Oh, now let's include it a little bit longer. So numbers change depending on the length of time that you look at it. But yet we're trained to just look at this one little thing. How much did I make this month? What was my rate of return? Or thinking of people in the business, did I make money this year? Oh, this is a good business. This is a bad business or whatever. No, 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 no. We're in this for the long haul. Creating change and making, creating wealth takes time. It's line upon line, block upon block that you're going to build this. And and part of the battle in the financial realm, White Dove, is getting people to think past rate of return in a short period of time and saying, okay, you want that answer? Wow, doesn't that look great? Now let's look at the real answer. What did it do over one year, three year, five year, 10 years? Now we can look at data. But when people are just look short term, they're not looking at the full picture and they hurt themselves. Well, and that's interesting because there's a, a a lot of times people have a hard time being in the present mm-hmm. in living in today, mm-hmm. but yet, so they live in the future, you know, they're, they're projecting the future. Like this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. And that's good because you need to have that future vision. You need to know what that okay. is, but you also need to be aware of where you are today, but they only want to look at their money in the moment. Yes. The money yes. defines <laughs> them in the yes. moment, but yet, so there, there's a little bit of a disconnect. Oh, yeah, there is a major disconnect and just helping them have that aha moment of, oh, this is the wrong way to evaluate this. This is and that's those. But that goes back again when I said, how do we create wealth? There's a spiritual, emotional component Mm -hmm. and then the mechanical process. And we just focus. We're trained to look at that mechanical process of tell me the, the numbers of this little area right here. I'm like, mm-mm, it's the same game across the board. 
spiritual, emotional, mechanical. And if they look at their money in the long game, oh, then that will tie up with the vision of yeah. the of living in the long, you know, pursuing the long game with their life. And then it starts to make sense. Absolutely. So I think of when I sit down with my clients, first thing that I do every meeting, this is the vision. When we first met, you said, I want to accomplish this. I want to be able to put my kids through college, or I want to be able to retire. I want to be able to get this second vacation home or whatever it is, wherever they are in life. I always start with the long term vision. And then I say, okay, now here's what the steps are to get there. And we're on step number two. This is awesome. We've finished step number one. We're at two. So you can't evaluate the end result if we're only on step two. It takes time. But if we will faithfully walk out the steps, we're going to reach that. Mm -hmm. So long-term game all the way. Yeah. And don't get stuck in the moment of your money. <laughs> yeah. I like that. And the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and and have a financial planner, please. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So talk to me about your book. Okay. Keep the Curls. I love this book. So the, it's called Keep the Curls, Empowering Women Personally and Professionally. And it's all kicked off because I remember my, my father taking me to a barber shop. Yes, I'm using the appropriate words. Those who are listening now cannot see my hair, but I had significantly curly hair. And I remember my dad taking me and I remember getting into the chair and I re I'll always remember these words. He said, cut it all off. And I had my hair halfway down my back and they cut it off. And he said, because you'll never be taken seriously looking like that. And I thought, I have to give up who I am as a woman. My curls, I guess they're too curly. I have to have, you know, the hair clamped right to my head into this, this boyish cut that just clung to me. And then, of course, it didn't look cause good because I had curly hair, so it was springing all <laughs> over. And I remember after that, we went to Macy's because that was the place to go. And my dad buying me a suit, a nice suit, not a dress suit, but a suit. So that I could blend in and that I would be taken seriously. And I always remember that. And as I grew as a woman, as I grew in, in my confidence in myself, and as I built my business, I realized, no, wait a minute. I can keep my curls. I can keep my feminine identity. I'm just as smart. My curls don't affect how smart I am, how strategic I am. My curls are just an expression of who I am. Mm -hmm. Now I say that white dove, but I want to tell you, it's been over 20 years now that I've had this business and my hair, I have only worn it curly for the last two years. What? I was only brave enough to wear it the last two years. And before that I would straighten it every morning and then I would wear it curly on the weekends because my husband loves my curly hair. And, and to be honest, I like my curly hair, but when I wrote the book, it was my outcry of saying, no, I have the DNA codes within me. They're within my curls. And so while I applied most of everything I wrote in the book, the only thing that I didn't apply was I just kept straightening my hair. I wore skirts. I spoke up in meetings. I did all that. And two years ago, I thought, Crystal, you're over 50 years old. When are you just going to be totally you? 
When are you going to say, it doesn't matter if you don't hire me because my hair is curly. When are you going to say, I'm going to wear it curly? And so that's what I did. About two years ago, I said, I'm wearing curly hair. And everybody said, oh, did you get your hair curled over the weekend? I said, no, this is natural. And one after another, my clients, even the male clients said, oh, my gosh, you have curly hair. I love it. Why haven't you been wearing it curly? But it was because that that I remembered way back my teenage years as as I was going into this. I, I just I just always remembered my father saying that. And so this book literally goes through, talks about how each one of us has the DNA locked within us, within our curls, per se. You know, some <laughs> people don't have curly hair, but locked within us to know how to do administrative, to know how to do organizational and operational, to know how to do finances and know how to do marketing. And people say, I don't know how to do all that. But let me ask you this. When you get up in the morning and you mess with your hair and you figure out what you're going to wear and you put your makeup on, that, my dear, is marketing. We are looking to present ourselves in a certain way. We know how to do marketing. Now, maybe we need some help in how to do marketing for the business, but the DNA of how to market's within us women. When I look at the finances and people say, I hate finance. Well, I'll tell you my reason why is because the financial industry has worked hard to make it so confusing that people will feel frustrated and give up on it and make poor decisions that the financial industry benefits from. I believe that we should have confidence when it comes to our finances. We should understand how it works. And that's why we have our simple three-step process that we bring clients through. But as women, if you cut coupons, you know finances. What are you doing? I want to pay less. If you are the one that says, okay, this is how much money I have to work with, you know finances. Don't don't believe the lie that the financial industry has put in place that you're too stupid or it's just for men or you have to love math or all those things. That's not true. I didn't like math growing up. I like concepts. I like big pictures. But now as I've gotten excited seeing the impact of all the details, now I love it. But I grew to love it. But the DNA was in me. If the DNA is in every woman to be able to do marketing, to be able to do finance, and then you think about uh, administration. How many here, I can't see your hands, but I'll just raise mine, have a honey to-do list. All right. We know how to organize what needs to get done so it will get done. That's what administration is. So yes, we take that skill set and we move into the workplace with it. And then operations is, okay, let's go. It's, it's pedal to the metal. I'm going to get this done. It's you getting up at five o'clock to go get your run in, to go pick up the kids, to go do this, to go do that. You are in operation mode. You're getting it done. So everyone listening here, we have the DNA to be successful as a woman personally, and we have have the DNA to be successful professionally in our businesses. And that's what this book is about. So this book literally has a curl on the front and the curl goes into the DNA strand showing us it's already there, guys. It's already within us. So much wisdom. My gosh. (laughs) So much wisdom. I could continue on and on just listening to you talk seriously, because the depth of what you, what you know, because of the journey that you've been on, mm. you've accepted that that whole piece yeah. needs to be a part of whatever, what, what others need to hear. White Dove, I believe there are people even now listening 
that are in different phases of what I've lived in life. There are people that are literally laying in bed at night having, how do I breathe? (laughs) How do I get the kids through college? How's there going to be enough? How do I invest this? Did I make the right choice? I hear that all the time. Am I making the right choice? Am I making the right choice? And it just goes over and over in their mind. Being able to sit down and say, okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's walk through this. Let me show you how you know if you've made the right decision and equipping women because it's already there. It's just literally giving them permission to flourish in who they are as female entrepreneurs, as just, and those listening who might be listening, maybe they're not in entrepreneurship, white dove. Maybe they're just females that just are, are looking to be the best they are as a highly compensated employee, as a mom. Every area of our life, we use these skill sets. It's just someone coming along like a breath of fresh air and saying, you got this, girl. You got this. You can be confident in it. So that, that fires me up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love your enthusiasm. I love you fired up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you. Crystal, tell us, how can the listeners connect with you? Well, one of the first things I would do is I would encourage them to go to Amazon and get the Keep the Curls book. They can get an electronic format, however they want to do it, but read it because each chapter shows them, hey, here it tells a life story. So I give them a story of something that applies in that chapter for my person. They'll probably know more about me than they really want to. (laughs) And then it gives practical applications and questions that they can ponder on to help them. Then the next thing that I would do is go to crystalclearfinances.com. My radio shows are uploaded. Uh, We also are starting our podcast so they can look for Crystal Clear Finance Podcast. Super excited. We're starting a financial boot camp. All of that, they can go to crystalclearfinances.com. They'll be able to have links to the boot camp, links to the podcast, links to the radio show. However we can help them, White Dove, is how we want to. And of course, on our uh, crystalclearfinances.com is a number to our office or an email. And if they want one-on-one consultations, I'd be happy to talk with them. And it is a free initial consultation. So I don't want people to think, well, how much is this going to cost? No, come on, girl, let's go out and get it. We're going to, yeah. we're going to sew into you. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all this wisdom. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening and definitely take up on her offer to read the book. I know I'm going to add that to my book list because I consume books. I don't think that's a new thing. A lot of people that have been listening, I do speak about books a little bit, but it is amazing the transformation that reading a book can actually give you. So put this one on your list, but as always, keep moving forward. Thanks for listening to the Fem Nation podcast. Be sure to check out our show notes for more details from the episode. If you love the show, share it with a friend or drop me a note. I'd love to hear from you over at whitedevgannon.com or find me on social media. Until next time, keep moving forward.